Hi guys, welcome back to our vlog, vlog number 22, I think it is today, Sunday the 1st of December. Ah, I'm so excited, I'm really excited to be in December for obvious reasons, December solstice is always a special, special time, uh, Christmas, now that we know what, what it's really about, um, it's always an exciting time. We're all talking about this event. You know, is it this year? Is it next year? Is it ever going to happen? We don't know. But I think one thing we're all agreeing on, regardless of, you know, what, what perspective you're looking at this from, we're all agreeing on the date of being the 21st of December, that definitely that is a, a special date um, within our cosmos. So, yeah, exciting times. I just needed to say that and let that out. Uh, we're living in exciting times. Um, our vlog today, we're going to be talking about uh, the difference between being aware and being awake. Uh, we always hear people talking about how they're awake or how they're so woke. I'm awake because of this, or there's an awakening happening. But we don't really ever try and dissect or understand what this term awake means. But, you know, it's quite a broad term. So what we want to do today is possibly dig a little bit deeper, look into these terms, being awake and being aware, and, uh, and maybe just share our perspectives on what we think um, or how we can dissect these, uh, uh, these terms that we use. I also want to talk about attachments. Uh, some people call them programs. You know, we're running on programs. Some people call them attachments. Um, we want to talk about that. I won't go into too much detail. Maybe we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. And then we might segue it into next week's show as well. So we'll kick it off today by talking about this aware versus awake paradigm. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to welcome everybody back to the panel. Uh, unfortunately, Robin couldn't make it today. She's had unexpected plans last minute. But she can't make it today. She gave me a call about 10 minutes ago. Uh, but we've got Pete and we've got Tom as well uh, and the usual suspects, obviously. I'm sure we'll have Max uh, chiming in at some point, even if it's just in the text uh, and other people as well. So thank you all for joining us in the green room and panelists, Tom, Pete, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. I'm excited. I'm always excited for these conversations. Uh, so let's get this going. Yes, indeed. So, huh, I'm awake. I'm woke. Yeah, this is, a, this is a topic that I've had lingering in my mind for quite a while. Obviously, we all know we're going through this thing we're calling this awakening. Now, after much thought, I'm now convinced that... Uh, you know, there's a big, big difference between being awake and being aware. 
And most of us who think we're awake, we're actually not awake, we are aware. So what's the difference? I think Tom or Pete at some point, if you can, in, in the meantime, try and pull up the uh, dictionary definitions of those two words and we can dissect them as well from that perspective. Um, I say this because I've met people along my time, along my travels uh, over the last few years, and you meet them and they say, oh, I've figured out the earth is flat. I am awake. I'm awake because I know the earth, is, the earth is flat. I'm awake because I know I shouldn't be eating meat. I'm awake because I know that you know, there's chemtrails in the sky. I'm awake because I know about vaccinations. And that never quite sat right with me. I always thought, well, you can't be awake because you know something. So I think what people really should be saying or what they actually mean is, I am aware that there are things going on within this paradigm. And I think awareness is the first step before you actually become awake. Now, those two, that, that awakeness for me, from my perspective, being awake is when you um, understand uh, not what is going on, but who you are and how you fit into this paradigm. So as most of you know that I, you know, well, not I, but most of you listening to this will know that uh, we are spiritual beings, first of all. We are all connected that way. We're all from the same source. Uh, this is just a game that we're in uh, where we're just acting out these different scripts and these different roles, these different characters, uh, all these different subjective realities and uh it's all just one big stage so we all know this um and i think once you realize this fact that this is a stage and that you are playing something out and that you are not your body you are not your name you're not this you are a consciousness you are something else that you cannot tangibly fathom just yet i think that is the point you become awake I think when you realize that, that is when you're awake. So by that same definition, I also feel there are some people who are actually awake, but not aware. So no doubt there are people that you meet who don't know about flat earth, who don't know about veganism, who don't know about chemtrails, but they're spiritual. You know, they're very, very spiritual. They're not into questioning or figuring things out but they already know that, you know what, I am not my body, I am beyond this. I am something else outside of this time and space. So they're awake, but they're not aware of the paradigm they're in. They're not aware of the things that are going on around them within this paradigm. So yeah, there are people that are awake, but not aware, and there are people that are aware, but not awake. Equally, you find people in, I'm gonna use flat earth, uh, who are flat, you know, into the flat earth, and they say, I'm so awake, I know the earth is flat. Uh, but they're still stuck in programs like the religious program. They'll then say in the same breath, oh, this earth was made by this being called Yahweh or Yahshua or whatever. Uh, you know, and they externalize everything. They give up their, their power, basically. They, they, they follow program. So they're obviously clearly not awake. They're just aware of the overlays or deceptions or the lies or whatever you want to call it that are tainting our, our, our vision, basically, keeping us asleep, these programs. So that's how I would differentiate the two, the awake and aware state. And I think once, once I understood this concept or understood this concept, 
I had a bit more understanding because I couldn't, I couldn't understand when I met people who, who seemed to know a lot uh, mentally, but were spiritually what I would call dead. I thought, well, you know, you're so well researched. You know so much about so many things. How is this one small thing eluding you? How, how, how do you not see how obvious this is that, you know, the, the religion programming is, is, well, it's a program. It's not real. Or, or eating certain things or behaving in certain ways, that these things are just because of programming. And once I understood this aware, awake paradigm, it kind of made sense. But also I think there's an overlay as well, because within our body, um, I think we have three main bodies. We have the mind, we have the body, and we have the soul. And as we've discussed on this channel, the mind is obviously your consciousness. This is the real you expressed through the mind. Um, your soul is your plasma body, your earth body, your ghost body that you keep throughout all your incarnations, if you like. Uh, and then obviously you've got your actual physical body that is embodied through the physical world that you live in, in whatever time and space you're in. Now, those three bodies can all be either awake or aware at separate levels simultaneously. So, for instance, you'll find someone who's awake and aware mentally. So mentally, they totally understand all these concepts. They totally get what this reality is, where we are. They're well-researched. They are mentally very mature. But physically, on a plasma level, they might be poisoning themselves. Maybe they still smoke or they drink alcohol or they, they're just poisoning their body. And you think to yourself, well, how can you know all this stuff? How can you be so knowledgeable and so spiritual but you've got so many of these vices still holding you down. So I think that's because their mental, their mind is awake, but their soul is still asleep or their spirit is still asleep and vice versa as well. Many people are awake spiritually, but mentally they're asleep. So I think um, ascension essentially, personal ascension is when one manages to align all of their bodies, their mind, their body, and their spirit um, to a heightened perception or to a balanced point where all three are functioning at least at a very similar frequency of awakeness, let's call it that. And I think that's what true ascension is. This is what we're all trying to aim to do. This is what I'm trying to aim to do. I'm trying to make sure that my mind, my body, and my spirit are all aligned towards um, this thing we call ascension or becoming fully awake or fully self-aware. Um, and I think this is really important for a lot of us who are on this path to understand this concept that it's not a one box to say you're awake or aware. There are many layers to this and we have to approach it from that perspective. So I'm going to leave it there for now and I'm going to let uh, Pete jump in and add his own perspective or um, insight as well. Pete? Yeah, thank you for that, Martin. Um, I think you had requested that I read the definition, so I want to start there. And so I'm going to begin with aware, um, because I actually, I think it begins with the aware state and then progresses uh, to that awakened state, um, as you kind of referred to. But aware, as defined uh, by our you know, modern dictionary, is having knowledge or perception of a situation or fact, or concerned and well-informed about a particular situation or development. Now, it's interesting, when I look at aware, 
I think it's A, which is at referencing that pendulum, that swing, that potential of, of being the opposite of, and where, as we refer to as, you know, where am I, a position or a place. And so it's, it's the opposite of questioning your position or the place. So when you're aware, you become, you know, as the definition, uh, definition uh, indicates, you're, you're knowledgeable. You, you suddenly have an understanding or an understanding uh, of this reality to a certain extent. And as it progresses to awake, where defined modernly, it's stop sleeping, wake from sleep, to cause something or someone to wake from sleep, regain consciousness, become aware of, come to a realization of. Again, I look at awake as A being the opposite of, and then the next word, wake. Now, when we think of, about awake, it's you know used from a, a death perspective. Somebody's attending an awake. Um, it's also refers to a ripple in, in, in a field. Um, so, you know, as far as the ocean, there's, a, there's the wake. And I think, again, it's indicating that, that opposite of, um, apologize for that, my phone should shut it off. Um, it's, it's when you become awake, you become, you know, understanding that the, the death is actually the current, you know, what we perceive as life, right? You're the opposite of that death state. You, you're starting to, to regain that, that living consciousness within. And then also that ripple. You, you, you not only can create a ripple of your own through your consciousness, your field, but you're also now resistant to the collective consciousness field that impacts and influences um, us when we're at a lower consciousness level, lower vibration. Um, so that's kind of the way I kind of look at those two things, um, you know, starting with a general awareness and then through that, you know, constant progression, reaching that, that awakened state um, and then going from there. Yes. Beautiful. Magical. Um, once again, Pete, thank you so much for your breakdown. Um, I love the way you just break down words. I keep saying this, but I really do. Uh, you're so right. It's all really hidden in the, in, in the language, in the spells, right? Um, you know, when you're aware, you are, well, you know where, where things are within your mind, where things are within your physical world, where things are uh, within your being. Uh, you know, the where is so, so important. So you become aware. Um, awake is when you start to create ripples. I love that. You know, just like a wave, you create wakes within time and space. Uh, through a change in frequency in your vibration in how you behave in how you think in in how you interact with the world around you uh, you start to make waves or wakes um, yeah so I, I just love the way you broke that down really 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 apt and to the point um, I also think it's interesting that uh, you know I, I want to further explore Let's put it this way. I want to further explore this three-body um, paradigm that we're talking about um, because this is something that I've recently really, really been looking into with a bit more depth, um, this mind, body, and spirit, and what the difference is, as you all know. And uh, I think it's so, so important that we get to a point where we understand that those three things are things we must resolve individually. So this process of awakening or becoming awake or ascending or trying to reach whatever point you want to reach spiritually, uh, that is separate. The mind, the body, and the spirit are all separate things. And if you've not resolved um, all three of those elements, uh, 
then while you've got unresolved issues, you've still got things attached to those things, which is another topic we're going to talk about. Um, so I think a big part of it is being honest with yourself. Once again, knowing thyself and saying, you know, which parts of me are where along my journey. So I'll give myself an ex as an example. Um, when I began this journey of, of becoming aware and walking towards becoming awake, um, my journey began from the inside out. So my mind, my mind awoke or became aware before my body and my soul, so to speak. So because again, astrologically, I'm a water-based being. That's my number one energy, um, being a Cancerian. Uh, the water is all about memory. It's all about the mind. So those concepts of the mind and how spirit works in relation to everything came to me really, really easy. And those are concepts I'm super, super comfortable with, really comfortable with, easy. So that part of me was the first part that became aware and uh, started walking towards becoming awake. Uh, the next part of me along that journey was my soul. My soul soon followed afterwards. And that was shown by the changes that I made with how I eat. I was trying to clean my blood, trying to clean my soul. Because as, as we all know now, our souls are locked within our DNA, our blood, so to speak, our light bodies inside our physical bodies. And once you become aware or that part of you becomes awake, your instinct instinctually is to try and start cleaning your soul, to try and start detoxing, uh, rewriting your DNA. And obviously you do that through the things we've been talking about on this channel, through what you eat, right? You're eating certain foods to detox from the poisons, um, to, to uh, reignite um, dead DNA or sleeping DNA, dormant DNA. Uh, so they're the, these are actions that we take, you know, these detox protocols that we take, these diets we go on, plant-based, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the soul. That's healing the soul. That's fixing your soul. And then obviously there's the physical body that is linked to the soul anyway. That will obviously correct itself as you correct the soul. The physical body will always follow suit anyway. So you don't need to do anything. Uh, well, you do, but the physical side of it is, is adjacent to the, to the soul side of it. But certainly the mind or the spirit and the soul are the two big ones. Those are the ones that we really have to work on massively. Um, again, like loads of people, you see a lot of people who are fit and healthy physically. Their physical bodies look, you know, completely healthy. They're really, really fit physically, outwardly. But that does not mean that they are physically fit inside their blood, their DNA, their plasma and certainly not their spirituality or their spiritual or their mind um, a lot of the time. So that's also showing that you can physically look healthy and fit and happy, but actually inside you're not. Inside you are completely broken. Your DNA is broken. You just have a very nice suit, skin suit, essentially. A nice car, a nice vehicle. But the engine and, uh, and everything else is not running optimally when you dig deep enough. So, so for me, like I said, it all started with my mind, my consciousness. I think that awoke first. And then the plasma side slowly followed. And I'm trying to really let my plasma self, my soul, and my body catch up with my mind. Because my mind is way, way, way ahead. I'm already in another dimension, mentally, spiritually. I'm already not in this world completely. 
but unfortunately my soul is still here and my physical body is still here so i must resolve that and i must ascend those two things if i'm to allow my physical body to follow my consciousness to where i'm projecting myself to go so yeah i'm aware of what i need to do on a soul level and on a physical level uh, uh, my mind is completely awake to what is going on and what I am. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm completely awake mentally, uh, not so much on a soul level. My soul is still trying to wake up. Uh, so I'm honest with myself on that level. I'm aware on a cellular level. Um, so this is a little exercise I think we could all do on our own and just say, well, where am I on that scale, you know, on that mind, body, and soul? Which parts of me are where? So I like to give percentages. I, I think my mind is probably at 90% uh, spiritually. Um, I'm 90% in tune with who I am and what I am and what I need to do. Um, I think my soul is probably more at 50 or 60% and my physical body is probably at 30 or 40%. So on a percentage level, I can put that on paper and say, right, okay, this is what I need to work on and this is how I'm gonna go about doing this. So yeah, I'm doing things that I'm not comfortable doing at the moment because I know I'm aware that I need to do these things, uh, you know, enemas and go plant-based, go raw, uh, try and push towards going breatharian and do all these things because I'm trying to fast track the awakening of my DNA, um, of my soul and my physical body. And that's why I'm doing it. I also want to say equally, I had this conversation with Lee and Anna the other day. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a really long, deep conversation. And at the end of it, I had some really good revelations. Uh, equally, I think that there are some people who are, because um, spirit comes first, the mind comes first. That is number one. Your consciousness is number one. That's the real you. That's the star within you. And once that's awake, it is awake. You know, that is, uh, there's no turning back from that. Once you're awake and aware on a conscious level, that's number one. Number two is obviously your plasma, your soul. Your soul is number two in rank, I suppose, because it's not eternal. Obviously, your consciousness is eternal. That's the energy that is you. Uh, your soul is second. That is your physical or semi-physical representation um, of expression within any time and space in the universe, here on earth, um, in other realms. Your soul is what carries your consciousness, if you like, or allows your consciousness to express itself. Um, and then obviously you've got your physical body, which is the uh, temporal element of you in this realm. You will leave your, your physical body at some point. Uh, you know, that, that, that is definitely, uh, that must go back to the soil, from the soil and to the soil you must return. Um, so yeah, the mind comes first. So I think there are actually people who are now completely awake um, mentally, consciously, um, but they're completely dead on a plasma level, physically and semi-physically. Their souls are completely dead, their bodies are completely dead, but consciously they are completely awake, well awake. Um, and equally there are people that are awake on a cellular level, their DNA is completely activated or as best as it can be in this time and space, but maybe they are mentally or consciously still asleep. And I think this is what creates psychosis or bipolar in people. You know, we get all these people who are crazy, who are mad and they get locked up. And uh, I think this is, this is why. I think it's because they are not balanced. 
a lot of these people who are in psychiatric wards or who lose their minds, they haven't really lost their minds. It's because the shift or the balance between their conscious awakeness and their soul is so polarized that it becomes almost impossible to embody itself in the same body. So if you think of it this way, if your mind, your consciousness is awake at 90%, but your soul is at 10%, that gap is too big. Those two things cannot exist in the same time and space, in the same body. And this is when people go crazy. This is when people get depressed, people get suicidal because they're not balanced. They're super awake in one state, but super asleep in another state. Um, so this is why it's really important to balance uh, yourself, to balance yourself spiritually, uh, mentally, uh, and also physically, uh, to avoid that craziness. We, we, we know people in the spiritual community who, well, we meet them and you say, this person is, you know, they're awake, but they're borderline crazy. There's just something not right. They've gone too far. It's simply because they're not balanced. Uh, you know, and when you dig deeper, you start to notice, you, you know, okay, it's probably because, oh, they still eat meat. Oh, they're still smoking. Oh, they're still doing this. Oh, this, you know, all these things. And obviously our DNAs are all different. You know, we all have different levels of um, DNA awakeness. Some people have a lot more work to do than others. Some people have already resolved some of these issues in past lives. So when they incarnated into this life, they have less to work on, on those different elements. So I strongly believe that in my past lifetime, I did the work mentally, consciously, to consciously awaken. But where I struggle physically, I probably abused myself physically in my past lifetime. I was probably a glut or whatever it is, even in this lifetime. So I've got a lot more work to do. And there are some people who have less work to do. You know, they, they eat whatever they like. They don't have to do as much work. They don't put on weight. Their blood is generally quite clean. They're quite healthy physically, and even on a plasma level, without actually doing much work. Uh, and I think it's because they're carrying that karma from a previous lifetime. They did the work in a previous lifetime. And uh, they don't have to do as much work in this lifetime. So I'm pretty aware that I've got to do extra work. I've got to do the urine therapy, and I've got to go the extra mile physically, because I know physically I've got a lot to do to catch up, whereas other people possibly don't. So it's just about knowing yourself and being honest with where you are. So, yeah, going back to what I was saying about this ascension, you know, we're talking about Eden and, uh, you know, there's certain consciousness or certain beings who are bound to ascend into another dimension or into another level of this game, what we call in this place called Eden, this ether den, this next stage of the game. Um, and we're saying that uh, there's a certain number of souls or beings um, in this realm at this time who will be moving on um, collectively. So I strongly, uh, you know, that resonates with me very, very strongly, as you all know. But I also think that uh, not everyone is going to ascend exactly the same. Um, again, we're all at different stages. So depending on what work you've done, um, that will also have a variance on how you ascend and what you ascend into as well if that is your journey or if that is what you choose to do. Um, so I think we touched on this in a previous show, but before I go into that, I'll let Pete come in quickly because uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a topic that I need to, um, to give its own space. So Pete, do you, wanna, do you wanna add or subtract what I've just said before I continue? 
Yeah, I think this might be a good moment um, to maybe read this passage uh, from that book I'd referenced. So this is the book Beyond Belief by Elaine Pagels, which digs into the secret gospel of Thomas and also kind of breaks down the early stages of Christianity and, and why the modern versions are the way they are and where that kind of divide happens. But this is a little excerpt. It's going to be from page 163 through 165. Um, but basically it starts with uh, Heraklion explains that most Christians tend to take literally the images they find in scriptures. They see God as the creator who made this present world, the lawgiver who give, who gave tablets to Moses at Sinai the divine father who begot Jesus. But those who experience God's presence come to see these traditional images of God for what they are, human creations. One needs, to not, needs not reject such images, Heraklion says, since they provide an essential way of pointing toward the divine reality that words cannot express. But one may come to see that all religious language and much other language consists of such images. Whoever realizes this comes to worship God, as Jesus says, in spirit and in truth. While Arrhenius uh, sought to clarify basic convic uh, convictions about God and Jesus Christ in theological statements that would become the framework for the fourth century creeds, Valentinian uh, Christians ac accorded such theological propositions as much less important role. Instead of regarding these as the essential and certain basis for spiritual understanding, and instead of rejecting them, they treated them as elementary teachings and emphasized instead what Arrhenius mentions only in passing, how far God surpasses human comprehension. The secret book of John similarly sets forth what theolo uh, theologians call the via negativa, recognizing what cannot be known and discarding misapprehensions about God. Nevertheless, the secret book says that human beings have an innate capacity to know God, but one that offers only hints and glimpses of divine reality. The secret book suggests that the story of Eve's birth from Adam's side speaks of the awakening of the spiritual capacity. Instead of simply telling about the origin of, of women, this, sim this story symbolically read shows how the blessed one above the father, or in some versions of the text, the mother father, feeling compassion for Adam, sent him a helper, luminous epinoia, creative or inventive consciousness, which comes out of him, who is called life, Eve, and she helps the whole creation by working with him and by restoring him to his full being and by teaching him about the descent of his kind and by showing the way to ascend, the way, to, the way he came down. Thus, Eve symbolizes the gift of spiritual understanding, which enables us, enables us to reflect, however imperfectly, upon divine reality. Another book discovered at the Nag Hammadi an origin of the world says that when first the first man and woman recognized their nakedness, they saw that they were naked of spiritual understanding or gnosis. But then the luminous epinoia appeared to them shining with light and awakened to their consciousness. The secret book intends this story to show that we have a latent capacity within our hearts and minds to, that links us to the divine, not in an ordinary state of mind, but when this hidden capacity awakens, because the term epinoia is no precise equivalent in English, I shall leave it in Greek. To speak of the various modes of consciousness susceptible to revelation, the author of the secret book invokes a cluster of words related to the Greek verb noion, which means perceive, think, or be aware. Um, so I'll stop it there. Um, I thought that was really, really, you know, I guess relevant based upon, you know, what we're discussing. Um, and when I read that earlier in the week, uh, based upon our earlier conversations midweek, um, 
it really resonated even more powerfully. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, you know, to, to add to this, you know, we talked about mind, body, um, soul, and spirit, um, and just kind of to bring what I always bring into it, you know, the et etymology, you know, mind, when you look at it, just, you know, again, removing some of the vowels and just M and D, I mean, the M, as we know, refers to the masculine, refers to the mental. The, the N is that, that back and forth from mental into material. It's that conflict or the balancing. And D is referring to dimensional, which again, you can refer to as the material plane. Um, so mind is, is, is just that. It's, it's in, you know, suggesting that that's the, the mental capacity to interact um, with the dimensional plane. Um, and body is, is just the B and the D. It's the birthing into the dimension interdimensional form because we live in a space a, a reality of space and time um, of dimension and it's interesting when you look at the b um, again I, I need to start to, to produce actual um, videos to kind of show graphics because it's, it's much easier understood when there's a visual kind of accompany um, the speech but if you take a circle and you draw a line down to split it in half you're essentially taking that one and creating two um, which is what the B is referencing. It's the birthing, that's the division of a cell. But what's interesting about the, the drawing, the shape and, and, and design of the symbol of the B, it's essentially taking that, that you know, circle, cut it down, line down the half, you're splitting it into two and then taking one half and folding it on top of the other. And so what the B is actually showing us, the capital B, is the two halves of ourselves, the mental and the material stacked upon each other, which is also communicating a secondary thing of mind over matter. And so it's, it's really, really interesting when you start to dive into, you know, letters as glyphs, as, as you know, symbols, and, and how there's always many layers to symbols. We always say a picture is worth a thousand words. And that, that's indicative of what we've discussed in previous episodes that, you know, hieroglyphs and glyphs in themselves, pictographs, your interpretation of them is going to depend on how awakened you are. Um, and as you continue down your journey, you're going to interpret very, you know, new, new things as they're revealed to you um, from within. And so like, again, it also goes to the idea of an onion peeling away the layers. Um, so all these things have, you know, many mean, uh, meanings. And, you know, in addition to the capital B, when you look at the lowercase b, again, what is, your, what is this showing you? It's essentially the I and the D in one, but the D being, shifted down to the bottom because when you incarnate you you fall into this dimensional plane um and it's symbolized by that lowercase b the birth into dimension uh so it's i just thought i'd kind of share those thoughts with you um with, with everyone actually but uh it's interesting yeah thanks for that pete that was really good um i particularly like what you said about um you know your interpretation of symbols is based on your, uh, well, your state of awakeness or awareness. Uh, that is really, 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 really true. It can't be any more true. You know, whatever we look at in this reality, in physical reality, or even in spiritual planes, you're always going to dissect it or understand it or understand it from your, your state of being, from where you are along your journey. And, uh, and this is why some things make sense to others and completely don't make sense to anybody, to, to someone else. You know, you'll say something to someone and they'll go, that's the most stupid thing anyone's ever said. And you'll say, well, to me, it sounds like the most intelligent thing that ever existed. Uh, so those are just perceptions, depending on where someone is consciously. 
and uh, and this goes this can be broken down into many many different layers so even on this panel even in this group even people who listen to this show a lot of people will resonate with a lot of what we say or what i say and a lot of people will turn around and say well a lot of what you say i don't resonate with does not make any sense whatsoever i don't agree with um, you know so there isn't a right or wrong this is where that whole concept is do what they wilt there is no such thing as right or wrong right or wrong is subject to your own awareness and state of awakeness that is what right or wrong is things are only right or wrong dependent on where you are or how you perceive things so you know this is this is an obvious thing um um you know the best way i can put it is um you know this this thing that we're calling life uh, as we all know, we're all these nodes of consciousness. We're all experiencing this thing we call life in physical reality. And part of that whole ordeal of experience is for us to experience things, right? To go through things and learn from them and grow from them. And then we step closer to being what we once were. And that once were is our God state, knowing everything and being everything and being complete. So this is what life is. Life is that journey of trying to get back to being complete. And uh, obviously we start from a certain point, like any journey, and we project our journey towards the destination. And a lot of the time we don't know what the destination is um, until we start becoming aware. That is when you start to roughly see you know, uh, the road. And then that awakeness is when you start walking, you start creating a wake through the, the fog or through the mist. Uh, that is when you are awake. You're starting to move or walk towards, um, towards that path of, of rediscovering yourself and reconnecting yourself with, with what you truly are. Um, so I think this is really important to, uh, to really highlight this journey, this waking, making awake. And we've been talking about action on this channel for quite a while. You know, you must take action. It's time for us to take action. We must do things. You know, go out there and teach other people, talk to people, uh, make changes in your life, change how you eat, change how you interact with other beings, change where you live or how you live. Uh, make change, make wakes, make waves uh, within your own life, within your, your, your consciousness, within your mind, within your body. Uh, you know, uh, this is really, really important because you're not going to reach your destination if you're not walking, if you're not making wakes. Uh, you must walk that journey. Uh, and there are no shortcuts. And this is why you can't just commit suicide. Even if you just become awake, all of a sudden I'm awake, I realized, oh shit, this is a game. This is not real. What am I doing here? This is madness. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I living this existence? Uh, once you reach that stage, a lot of people then become mad, crazy, depressed because they look for a quick way out, a shortcut. I need to get out. Let me get out now. When in actual fact, that is not the point of the game. The point of the game is for you to earn your way out. Um, and earn is an interesting word, which I'm sure Tom can break down. It's also something that's used to keep the ashes of someone who's dead. So you must earn your way out. You must die and be reborn. Uh, now you can die and be reborn physically, or you can die and be reborn whilst you're awake. Uh, this is what we're doing now. We're being born again. We are awakening. Essentially, I died on the 6th of August, uh, 20, 2016. I died. The old me completely died. 
and I was born again. I became a new human being. People who knew me prior to that date now look at me and say, you're not the same human being. You're something, you're different. You're completely different. You know, you've changed. Um, I was born again. I had to die. I had to earn my stripes. I had to change. I had to put myself on the cross. I had to go out and tell people, this is who I now am. I no longer partake in this. I will no longer have alcohol with you. I will no longer smoke that cigarette with you on our, on, you know, on our lunch breaks. I'll no longer eat meat. I'm sorry, I cannot partake in that anymore. Uh, I will no longer you know, agree to the idea that I'm on a spinning ball or that I came from a monkey. Uh, you know, I'm something else. And of course, by doing that, I'm persecuting myself. I became Jesus, as we all did. You put yourself on the cross and you're persecuted. People throw stones at you. They defend their position. They tell you you're crazy. You're stupid. Yeah, you must eat meat. You must. How dare you go against the narrative? You must do this. You must. You must. You know, they hold on. So you become persecuted and you must do that. And that's the story of Jesus. You must put yourself on the cross and you must earn. In other words, you must die spiritually. You must die physically. You must die. Now, physically doesn't mean your physical outward body. Your inner body must physically die, which is what I'm doing. I'm trying to kill the old me, the old physical me, so that the new physical me can be reborn. You know, that's the story of the phoenix that rises out of the ashes. I'm trying to raise the phoenix within me uh, so that a new body is born, a new consciousness is born, in order for me to then have a new experience and a new paradigm. Which brings us to the next stage of this. You know, those of us, once you reach a certain stage of awakeness and awareness, and a lot of you will say, I'm done with this game. I don't want to be in this world. I want to move on. I want to move on. I want to get out of here. Where am I? You know, again, you must earn it. You must do things. There's no shortcuts. There's nothing that is, there's no quick fixes. There's no one who's going to save you or nothing that's going to save you. You can't just click your fingers or, or wave a wand. It doesn't work that way. You must undo all the wrongs that you've done. You must fix your karma. You must balance yourself and then you can move on. So again, there's no one doing anything to us. There's no one doing, I'm not a victim in, in this process. Uh, I'm a victim of my own doing. Uh, I've done things in past lifetimes that I don't remember consciously now, that I probably remember subconsciously, but not consciously. And I must resolve those issues. And part of resolving those issues is becoming aware of who I am and where I am, and then making the steps, taking the steps, making the wakes towards fixing or undoing or redoing uh, what I undid in previous lifetimes. And then that way I'm merging back um, to, to essentially who I really am. So again, no shortcuts. You can't just commit suicide and say, well, if I just press the reset button because I'm now consciously aware, I will just automatically uh, escape this and uh, end up in, a, in another place. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you must resolve your karma. You must resolve your issues. You must fix the vehicle, the body, this vehicle that you, you've inherited, your plasma body, I mean, your earthly body. You must fix that before you can return it, right? Uh, you must have full awareness before you can move on to somewhere else, full awareness of who you are and where you are and how this works before you can move somewhere else. Now, the danger of this is if you are strong enough mentally or consciously and you are able to somehow shift your paradigm away from this reality, you might end up um, 
in a place you think is hell or in a hellish paradigm, in a hellish situation, because you're trying to run before you can walk. So certainly I think you can leave this realm or this world mentally, consciously, because all is mind. If your consciousness is powerful enough, you can escape your soul, your physical soul, uh, uh, your light body, your consciousness can leave or tether itself from that and insert yourself into another dimension or another reality. But the, uh, the Vedics and the Siddhas, they talk about this quite, quite, uh, quite a lot, that that's very dangerous because if you don't know how to control your mind in that spirit world, just like in your dreams, whatever you think of will instantly manifest into reality. You know, that's how powerful you become when you're in that world, in that dream world. Let's put it heaven. When you remove yourself from your, from your soul body, from your spirit, not from your spirit, from your light body, and you become an independent conscious being in the heavenly realms, you can literally, literally create your own paradigms and realities by virtue of just your thoughts. Whatever you think will instantly manifest into reality. If you think a dragon is going to eat you, that will literally happen in that second, physically. And you will experience that as if it's a physical thing. Um, so you have to be very careful. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, I'm done with being physical. I want to go to heaven and live in these paradigms. It's a little bit immature to say that, I think. Uh, we don't really know just how, how, um, uh, how unready we are for that. Uh, our minds, I can barely control my mind now. I get thoughts sometimes that just pop into my head and I think, where the hell did that thought come from? That is not a thought that I want to be thinking. Why am I thinking that? Why am I having such a dark thought or a negative thought or a bad thought, what I perceive as a bad thought uh, for me? Uh, and it just pops into my head. So that shows me that mentally, even though I think I'm becoming awake, I'm still a child mentally because I cannot control my thoughts. Uh, there's still things waves or ideas that pop into my head that I have no control over. So I'm honest with myself and say, I have still a long way to go. I've still got to uh, live out some sort of this physical aspect in some reality or some dimension. However, I feel I've outgrown this realm. I really truly feel that I've outgrown this place. Uh, you know, like I've said on many of these shows that we've talked about, I really feel like I've outgrown here. Um, I'm not trying to escape this realm or this earth, there's nothing to escape from. Uh, but the games or the programs are not as exciting for me anymore. Um, I'm now aware of the games and the programs. Again, they're not bad. Religion isn't bad. All these programs, they're not bad. Television, being lied to, they're all good things. They're all part of the simulation. They're all part of the game. And, you know, the whole thing of awakening and becoming aware and waking up is it's a fun thing, really. Once you truly become awake, you realize that, no, it's fun. It's fun to be lied to and then find the truth. It's fun to believe in Santa. And then you get to an age where you're eight or seven, whatever it is, and you realize, oh, Santa's not real. It was mom and dad all along. They were just lying to me. Um, and then you discover, you know, a whole new world. Oh, it's mom and dad buying the presents and the Christmas tree. And, you know, so all of that is a fun process. You know, we're like children. Once again, you become like a child. You're rediscovering who you are and where you are. Oh, the earth is flat and, you know, there were once giants and this happened in the past and this isn't what I thought it was. You're rediscovering. You're like a child again. So I'm at that stage where I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying 
I don't get angry anymore. I don't react. I don't go, oh my God, they lied about this. Oh my God, they're spraying us. Oh my God, they're poisoning us. I don't live in that paradigm anymore. I see all of it as a beautiful symphony. Uh, it's all perfectly laid out. You know, I, I thank the chemtrails. I'm glad that there are chemtrails in the sky because without them, um, I wouldn't appreciate the, the sky or, or the beauty of, you know, a, a paradigm without chemtrails. I wouldn't have anything to project my, my, my dreams towards. So I see all these things and I accept them. And this is where we now talk about being attached and unattaching yourself. I'm now becoming detached from things of the world. Like it says in the Bible, you must be in the world, but not of the world. And I'm now really starting to embody this. And I think many of you are. I'm now in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm now living out of this world. My thoughts are now projected beyond this dimension and this realm. When I think of food in the skies, I don't think of it in the present or even in the past. All my thoughts are based on the future. Uh, you know, I try and live ahead of my time. I try and think ahead of my time. I try and behave ahead of my time and space. So I'm almost projecting myself towards where I want to be. So I believe that this next level of the game is, is the head of where we are. It's a futuristic place in time, in space, mentally, spiritually, in all aspects. It's a future projection of where we are now. So in order for me to reach that place, I must start behaving and thinking as if I'm already there. I must start projecting myself there by virtue of how I am now. I must be not of this world, even though I'm in this world. So this is what I aspire to do in my daily life. I aspire to be um, beyond what is expected of me. So all these things we talk about, I know we spoke about these things in previous shows. You know, we don't have to be breatharian. In fact, you know, if it's not a requirement, it's not something that we have to do. We don't have to even be plant-based. In this time and space, being vegan is where the sine wave is. If you're vegan, at the very least, you are in tandem or in tune with the sine wave of this realm in this space and time. That is good enough. Be vegan and enjoy it. Enjoy vegan food. You know, my wife, my kids, they enjoy eating vegan food. We make vegan cakes and all kinds of things. And we enjoy it uh, as much as we can. And we're not too stringent in saying, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that, particularly for the children and for my wife, because they're not there. For me, however, because I'm trying to project myself into a time or dimension or space that's beyond this place, I must push myself. I must sacrifice even more. I must die. I must earn the right if I really truly want to achieve this. So I must go above and beyond. So this is why I feel compelled to go plant-based, to go raw, to eventually try and become as breatharian as I can, uh, fruitarian, breatharianism, to do the urine therapy, to do the detoxing, all these things that are above and beyond. Not everyone needs to do them. And again, you don't have to do them to project yourself into the future, right? I don't think everyone has to do this. Uh, but for me, I feel personally called to do it for whatever reason. Um, so I wanted to just put that out there. Um, you know, just to put perspective to all of this, you know, this whole thing of being attached and detached. Um, before I segue into that attachment to detachment topic, maybe I'll let Tom or Pete jump in if you want to add to what I've just said. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought what you just shared was beautiful. And I couldn't, you know, as, as Robin always likes to say, I agree with you 100%. Um, it, it's exactly kind of the way, I, you know, how I perceive this experience that we're having. Uh, I think it's, it's all about energy. It's all about that balancing. Um, with each, which, you know, each of us as a note of consciousness, we all project a field. Um, and this goes into, before I get into the field, uh, I think I shared this with you guys via uh, text, but a lot of times it comes down to semantics, right? I have this conversation with, with my wife often because we've all been taught that emotions and feelings are synonymous, that they're the same things, but they're actually, in fact, not. Um, and Fabian actually referenced this last week in regards to uh, emotions. It's emotion is the energy in motion. Um, and it's, it's, there's only two directions. There's either, either an expansion, you know, or, you know, kind of a repelling, if you will, which you, you know, we kind of call fear is pushing away. Um, or there's attraction and, and the, you know, the uh, bringing back together, which is a magnetic force. And that's kind of what we refer to as, as that love. And so when you have those two directional, you know, energies in motion like, away from you or, or toward you, and then you layer on your thought, you actually produce a, a feeling. And it's that feeling is what a field is, is comprised of because it, you know, a force field is a force of feeling. And this is what plays into the whole idea of, of the power of positivity, the laws of attraction. It, it's when you project that field of positivity, that a higher vibrational state, you're essentially creating a field around you that prevents any lower vibrational experiences into your 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 world your experience um but with that said it, it's it's energy right all of us as nodes of consciousness push push out our own um you know fields that are all interacting with each other and then based upon our thoughts which you know is how we're interpreting these things is is whether you know we perceive them as a positive or negative a good experience or a bad experience and it's all about you know reaching that state of awakening and consciousness to realize that there is in fact nothing good or bad, as you pointed out, uh, Martin, there is, it just is. And it, it, it's your interpretation that creates that reality for you. Um, but in addition to that, I also kind of, you, you referenced early on about earn. And I had an aha moment as I was looking at the word as I always do. And you know, there's earn as an E-A-R-N, you know, as we refer to as, you know, actually I'll, I'll bring up the definition because I, I brought them both up, but it's to obtain money in return for labor or services of an activity cause someone to obtain money uh, of capital invested gain money as interest or profit. Right. And then there's the earn in regards to a vessel um, that typically we refer to when somebody's, you know, passes away or is cremated. We, you know, we utilize it and earn to encapsulate that person, um, their ashes. But, uh, What's interesting about urn is when you look at it etymologically, I think initially it was just E-R-N, which would make sense because E referencing that energy, the R is that reflection or return and N, you know, that conflict or balancing of the above and below. And so urn essentially is a, re you know, energy returning to balance. Well, what's interesting about the monetary version of that, they're adding the A. And as we pointed out earlier, the A is that pendulum swing. It's almost like the opposite. It's also referencing temporal, but it's the opposite. And so just by adding the A in there, you're essentially at, you know, creating the opposite of an, a return to balance, which would make sense when we, when we look at how um, our current financial monetary system is, 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 has been created. 
there is, it's all about profit. It's all about that, that lack of balance because um, profit by definition is an unequal uh, return or un uh, unequal transaction rather so that somebody is getting more than the other. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting and it obviously can go on further when you look at uh, the URN and how we, we look at burn, um, which is, you know, URN, I look at you returning to balance. Uh, and so, you know, that birth of you returning to balance, that burning, uh, which essentially we talk about the fire within and, and, and you know, the, the idea of, you know, the fire descending into the material plane, which creates that, that shh, which is where we, we have that idea of, of ash or ish, uh, which creates words like shaman when you reverse it. Um, but I'll, I'll not go in too deep into that anymore. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd share those thoughts as they were happening. Yeah, really well put, Pete. Really, really well put. Um, yeah. A great addition to um, to what we're talking about. Um, Tom, did you want to add on to what? If Tom is in the building, yeah, I'm here, Martin. Sorry, like my internet's being absolutely terrible. I'm missing bits and pieces, so you guys just carry on. I'm just enjoying catching up for a minute. All right, brilliant. Yeah, so um, I feel like maybe based on what Pete just shared as well, this is a good point to maybe start talking about this thing we're calling attachments or programs and how this is in relation uh, to this journey walking towards or making a wake towards where you're going you know clearing the path for yourself towards where you want to project yourself to be um, a big part of that is you know uh, letting go so uh, this came to me yesterday actually when I was thinking about today's chat and uh, I realized that obviously you know your consciousness our consciousness has only got a a limited amount of space it's like a cup right you've only got amount of space at a time uh, but obviously as you begin to awaken your consciousness or grow or ascend your consciousness that cup becomes bigger and bigger and you're able to fill a lot more into that cup um, again, we call this intelligence, right? This is true intelligence when you're able to store more information or more experiences in a much more condensed uh, space and time. Uh, that's true intelligence. So um, with that being said, obviously, if you're trying to project yourself, like Pete was just saying, you know, you've got to, you've, you've got to project what you want into materialization. You've first got to see it. You've got to see it to manifest it. Um, if you want to do that, you've obviously got to let go of some baggage. You've got to empty your cup of the things that you don't need, what we call programs or attachments, in order for you to fill in new things that are relevant to where you want to project yourself to be. So again, this is relevant to people who are now trying to create a wake who are now walking the path towards that thing we call ascension, ascending themselves. Uh, and that ascension essentially is walking towards uh, the next stage of your experience. Um, and in my case, this is, uh, this is going to this ether den, this Eden place in the North Pole. Uh, that's where I see this next stage of experience being. Um, but in order for me to do that, again, I've got to stop living uh, I've got to stop living in the past and stop living in the future, in the present and start living in the future. However, 
I must learn from the past and I must also uh, learn from the experience of the present in order for me to then project the future. So those three things are very important. They work in tandem. So how I see it, I live in the future. My mind is already in the future. Everything that I think about, you know, everything that I'm trying to project, how I try and my dreams are all weaving themselves towards the future. Uh, you know, this is where I put 90% of my thoughts and my being towards what I'm trying to project or create for myself um, along my journey. Certainly, hopefully in this lifetime, possibly in the next lifetime, I don't know, hopefully next year is what I'm really, really hoping to do. Um, but in order for me to do that, obviously I've got to resolve things of the past. I've got to learn from the past, right? In the past, I made some mistakes. This is what we call the karma, the k-ama. So I've got to research. I've got to know where I came from to know where I'm going. We've all heard this saying before. To know where you're going, you must know where you came from. So this is where the research comes from. And you start realizing that, oh, okay, I've been lied to about this. I'm starting to remember that actually things are like this. And by doing that, you start detaching from programs. So I'm going to use a very good example. And this is going to trigger a few people, uh, a certain group of people. But I have to use this example because this is the most obvious example at the moment. At the moment, there's this programming that's being played on people, especially people who are along the wake path, who are trying to make a wake for themselves. Um, there's this programming of race, particularly with black people, you know, being the victim. Um, and you see this a lot, particularly with people who are in the Americas, black Americans, for instance, mostly black Americans and Africans, but mostly black Americans. There's this thing of we are victims. Oh, we weren't slaves. We were actually natives of this land. We are this, we are this. You know, people did this to this. They did this to us. So a lot of people who become awake and they're starting to make awake, they fall into that trap because they're attached to that paradigm. So they've, they've gone into that realm of trying to be aware, which is good. It's good to know that, oh, actually, uh, my history in terms of my physical lineage in the body that I'm in now is not what I'm told. You know, I'm not from this. I'm not from here. I'm from here. Uh, my lineage, we're talking about here, the physical aspect of it. So that's good to know. What's not good is to then attach your consciousness to that physical journey. You must detach yourself from that and say, well, actually, no. It's good to know that, you know, in Africa, this is what happened. This could be the true story of what happened in Africa in the past. Now, what can I learn from that that will serve me in the present, right? But I must detach myself. I am not that person who was victimized. I was not a slave. I was not treated badly by other beings. I, that, that wasn't me, right? Uh, and even if it was me, I was going through that to experience something and I've reincarnated not in that situation and I've learned something from that. So you must detach yourself. So I see this in the black conscious community, particularly this black power thing, this thing we need to reclaim our blackness, our, our true origins. People are attached to that. They're really attached to that. And I've, uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm actually bringing this up. I didn't plan to speak about this, uh, but maybe I was triggered by a, a comment that a lady gave. And she says, you know, something about me not being in touch with my roots and, you know, 
you're, you're not being yourself, you're not being authentic, you must go back to who you are, and just talking about melanin and all these things. And, uh, and I recognized straight away that, you know, this is an attachment, this person is attached. So whilst a lot of what she was saying was true, you know, she was talking about melanin and how important it is, and, you know, and I said, yes, you're absolutely right in everything you're saying, uh, but it's not relevant because you're attached to it. Uh, it tells me that you're not yet awake. You are aware of things that might have happened or you're aware of the paradigm you're in, but you're not yet awake to what you truly are because you're not your body. You're not your skin. You're not that physical aspect of you. Definitely not, obviously. You are embodied in all the other things. And, uh, and I think I ended up the conversation by saying, well, how do you know in your last lifetime that you weren't the oppressor? How do you know you weren't the slave master enslaving the very same people that you're pointing fingers at? So for every finger you're pointing towards someone else, you're actually pointing um, more fingers back at yourself um, because you're attached. So anyway, I segued a little bit there, but I wanted to emphasize that idea of being attached and learning to let go of attachments. And how you really know that you're truly on the path is when you can detach from as many programs as possible. Of course, it's not possible to detach from all the programs because you're still in the world. It's an ongoing process that we must all endure. But I think on the grand scheme of things, if you can look back to yourself and say, well, actually I'm detached from things of this world. I'm just living. I'm living in the moment. I'm in the present. Um, I'm doing things um, and learning as I go and adjusting and switching. Uh, this is, uh, this is how you know that you're truly, truly on the path. You're now making real wakes in your journey. Uh, you're now detaching. And that detachment actually flows even beyond that. You know, I'm now at a stage where I'm detaching even from my children, from my family. I don't see my children as my children. They're not my children anymore. I don't see, my, I don't see Sebastian and Quinton as my children. You know, I actually feel weird, weird saying that they're my children. They're not my children. They're not mine. Uh, they don't belong to me. They are independent beings who I've been given the honor of safeguarding and looking after um, for a short while. Right? That's my duty. I'm, I'm renting. I'm a parent. I'm a, we are a pair, we're a pair who's renting these souls for a short while to help them ascend themselves. So I'm detached from my children. I'm detached from, um, you know, I don't belong to them and they don't belong to me. Uh, if I have to move on tomorrow, I'll happily move on because I know that uh, they're on their own journey and I'm on my own journey. And this is why it was easy for me. In fact, this concept came to me quite easy, quite earlier on. This is why it was easy for me when I was planning to go to the North Pole a couple of years ago, because I'd already realized that, that actually, a lot of people say, how can you leave your wife? How can you leave your children? How can you, you know, what about them? I said, well, it's not about them or about us. It's about me. It's my journey. I've got to walk my path. I was born alone and I'll die alone. The same thing with my children. Same thing with my wife. She's on her own path. She's on her own journey. So this is something that we're all resolving in our own family. We're now realizing that we don't all have to do the same thing. Uh, if my wife wants to go back to eating meat, I'll let her do that. I'll say, you know, you do that and enjoy it and I'll embrace it. I won't partake in it, but if that's what you need to do and you need to experience, you do that and you experience that and I will support you 100%. Same thing with my children. You know, I tell them about stuff. I make them aware, 
that if you do this, this is the reaction you're likely to have, likely to have uh, based on this time and space. But I don't enforce my ideals on them. I don't tell them you must be plant-based, you must be vegan. I just tell them and they dictate. So sometimes they'll say, no dad, I wanna eat bread. And I'll say, well, that's fine. I'll buy you bread and eat it, but this will happen. But of course, children being children, children are a lot more in tune. Normally they come back and say, well, now that I know this dad, I'm not gonna eat that. I'm gonna eat this instead. Um, so that's the beauty of all of this. You know, when you, when you know yourself and the people around you know themselves, they're honest with themselves. And equally, my children you know, said to me, dad, we're not ready to let go of potatoes. I know what you've said about potatoes, the mucusy, and I know that they'll do this to me, but we love potatoes, we love our chips. We still wanna have fried chips, dad. And I cook fried chips for them. So I, I do that quite often. So I'll cook things that I would never dream of eating for my wife and my children because I understand that they're on their own path. They must experience their own things as long as they have their knowledge and it's not good or bad. It only becomes good or bad when you decide that something is good or bad for your journey. That is when something becomes bad. So eating meat is not a bad thing. It's bad for me now because that is the decision that I've made for my journey. But generally, it's not a bad thing. It's an experience. It's something that we must experience at some stage along the journey. But it's also an experience that must end at some stage. Now, obviously, this is on an individual level, but also on a collective level. So whilst I say that, like I've said in previous shows, collectively, uh, there is also a time and place for everything. And right now, the time and place for how we eat is moving away from eating other beings. Uh, that we're now moving away from that. This is where the plant-based thing comes in. So that's on a collective basis. So if you're a vegan, uh, this is where we are collectively. That is acceptable. That is a good thing right now. It's being pushed because it's a good thing regardless of what the agenda is. A lot of people are probably screaming and saying, oh, it's part of the Illuminati agenda. You know, Hollywood is promoting veganism. And yes, they are. But equally, they're promoting a lot of things that are also good. Hollywood is also promoting the end of cancer. Does that mean we should all have cancer? No. <laughs> Hollywood is also promoting the end of a lot of things that we all agree on. So we must be sensible about all of these things. These beings who are in, in these positions that are controlling the world, this 1% elite, they know how this game works. They're not stupid, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, they, they know how this game works, which is why they're in positions of power and control over the rest of us, because knowledge is power. This is why they have the power. So they know that the time for eating meat is over. You know, we, cannot, we can no longer endorse this anymore. If we carry on doing this, we're actually just going to do more harm than good. So we need to shift our focus away from that but how can we still hold control over this eating paradigm? So this is when they start creating fake meats and fake food and all these things. This is where the deception comes in. But they're aware that we shouldn't be eating meat. And that is the lesson we should be taking. Those who are becoming aware should see that and say, oh, right, okay. I can see that collectively here, we're moving away from that paradigm. But equally, the trap is not for me to then follow the herd, follow the program, the vegan program of eating the fake foods that they're making. Maybe I should be eating healthy vegan food. That is the, or more natural vegan food. Um, so yeah, so this attachment and detachment paradigm is super important because uh, it's relevant to you uh, individually, to where you are and what you're willing to detach from and attach to. So I'm detaching from certain things and attaching to new things. 
um, to the point where we're having conversations in my family with my wife. You know, I now realize that my wife is not my soulmate. Bombshell, bombshell alert. My wife is not my soulmate. And if you're listening to this and you've got your partner, as much as you love them, I'm not saying I don't love her. I love her 100%. Uh, but I'm now aware, completely aware that she is not my soulmate. She's not the being I meant to um, spend, uh, let's call it my earthly eternity with. She's not my soulmate. She's not my twin flame. Let's call it that. And I guarantee you, most of you listening to this, the person you're with right now isn't that either. The person you're with now, you're with them because you are together to help one another ascend. You are trying to fix one another. The reason why I say that is if you can honestly listen to this and you disagree with me, I would say to you, is there anything about your partner you, would, you wouldn't change or you would change? Now, guaranteed, most of you will say, yeah, there are a few things. If my partner would change this, if they were like this, if they weren't so short-tempered, if they weren't like this, they would be perfect. By virtue of you saying that, that is proof in itself that that is not your twin flame or your, or your, or your, um, your twin soul. That is proof of it. Um, you will know your twin soul when you meet them, when you find the person that you would not change a single thing. You'd say, this person completes me, 100%. There isn't a single thing I would change about this person. Physically, mentally, spiritually, we never fight, we never argue, we never disagree about anything. That is when you know you have your, 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 your soulmate. So I think you can only meet your soulmate when you yourself have found your own soul, when you have ascended to a place where you know yourself. I don't yet know myself. So how can I find my soulmate? Because I don't know myself. I, Martin Kenny, well, I call myself Martin Kenny, but the, the consciousness within me is still trying to find the real me. It's still trying to resolve all my karmic issues. So I'm in no place to find my soulmate if I don't know my soul, my true soul, who I truly am. I say who, I know what I truly am. I don't yet know who I truly am. I'm talking now astrologically. So once I know this, and I think this will happen once we ascend, you know, I'm, I'm saying, you know, myself and my wife and everyone else in my group, I say, I'm looking forward to getting to that next stage in this next realm where I will meet my, my soulmate, where my wife will meet her soulmate, a true soulmate, and, uh, and, and, you know, and begin a new journey. Uh, and this is not to say that uh, we won't stop loving each other. We will still love each other. We'll still embrace one another in the same way that we do now. But that relationship will not be the same when you meet your actual soulmate. So I have to detach myself from that paradigm of saying, my wife is my wife. She's mine. And we are together you know, forever. We're not. I'm coming to resolve that we're not together for the rest of my life. Uh, we're together for now because we need one another to ascend one another and to resolve one another and to find ourselves until we are completely within ourselves. And then we will be worthy enough to meet the person who is the exact match of you astrologically, uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that is a very, very difficult thing to come to terms with for a lot of people. And a lot of, a lot of people will hear this and be triggered and say, Oh, how, how can you say that? Um, you know, but we've had many lifetimes. You've been in love many times. You've had many partners. You've had many children. You've had many other beings you've connected with that you thought at the time 
were the be and the be all and end all of you. And now they're not. You've met some another soul, another consciousness, and you've built a new relationship. Those of us who are ascending, again, living in the future, you must start thinking that way. You must start viewing that way. You know, my relationship with my children will likely change in the new paradigm. You know, when we get to this new place, that will change. I'll make new relationships with other people that might be stronger than the relationships I have with my current children or, my, or the current beings that I call my children. And I'm cool with that. I'm in terms of that. It might be a case that my children are not on the same path as me. They're not meant to ascend into this place we call Eden. Maybe they still need to experience the reality within this realm. They still need to live out new experiences here. They still have things to resolve. I'm cool with that. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe I'm not ready to move on. Maybe my children will move on to Eden and I'll have to remain behind and resolve. Again, I'm cool with that. I'm detached from all of that. So it's really important, I think, for those of us who are on this path to start thinking at least along those lines of detachment, where you're not attached to your children or to your relationships or to your things, certainly not to your things. If you're still attached to your house or your job or the things that you have, then you've got a long, long way to go. You've really got to detach. Detachment does not mean you do not enjoy them. You do not enjoy those experiences. If you have a beautiful Mercedes, enjoy that Mercedes. Enjoy the experience of driving a Mercedes, but do not be attached to it. Do not feel as if uh, it is your be all and end all. You know, enjoy your wife, enjoy your partner, enjoy your children, but don't be attached to them. Because those attachments are what bring you back or keep you in that cycle of reincarnation. So even if this ascension thing doesn't happen and we end up living the rest of our days in this realm and I end up dying an old man at 90 here in Portugal on this land or 100 or whatever the age is, um, I still have to keep this mind frame of detachment. Because if I don't, and I'm still attached to my children, I will have to reincarnate to resolve that attachment, right? If you are attached to the idea of having children or having a spouse, you must come back and have those children and have a spouse until you learn to detach from that idea of having children and having a spouse or having something. You know, once you become a God, you realize you don't need to have anything. You mustn't have anything. You must just experience everything. Everything must be experienced and not had. So I'll leave it there for now and uh, I'll let Pete or Tom jump in. Yeah, I'll just jump in. Uh, just really awesome listening to you for a second there, Martin. I just want to go into the attachment thing a little bit. Um, this might be a bit of a light bulb thing for people who are just sort of not too sure on it. But for me, I'll just look at how the system that we've sort of all grown up in, this overlay that we're currently in, and how it sort of played on our natural attachment. Obviously, when we're children, the first thing we need is our mother. You know, we're instantly attached. That's what we need. It's like a, a natural thing for us to have it. But then, obviously, what, you, what would, I guess, in my head, what would happen normally is, you know, you'd be with a bigger group of people and you wouldn't have that soul attachment. You wouldn't be attached to so many things. But just look at what the Matrix has got us all attached to. Thank you.